Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey y'all, I'm Moni and you're mixing with Moni, okay? Welcome to my weekly mixer where I take your favorite Bravo shows, TV news, and hot topics, mix it with my opinions and some of my friends' opinions, a little shade, and sometimes a cocktail or two. I'm bringing in my POC perspective to shows we all love. Let's mix it up. Hello, 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 all you beautiful and wonderful mixologists out there. It is your girl, Moni, and you are mixing with Moni, okay? Let's see. There are things, honey. There are so many things, but most importantly, we have to wrap up one of the biggest chapters of of Housewives history, and I'm not just talking about the FBI, but I'm talking about one Nicki Minaj hosting a iconic fourth part of the reunion because we had four parts of a Potomac reunion and whether or not we needed it that's a conversation we'll maybe maybe get into today and for these reasons I needed a very specific guest a very important guest a Bravo expert if you will a reality tv connoisseur and that is what I have here today today's guest is a treat for all of us we are blessed people we are blessed she is a journalist? That's too simple. A boss? I mean, editor-in-chief of HuffPost. You tell me. That sounds boss lady-like to me. But most importantly, she is a Real Housewives fan. And that means she's our kind of people. And we love having good people in high places. And that is what we have here today. She's actually the author of the op-ed, How the Real Housewives and Reality Tea Saved My Life. Already a title I can get behind. Like, it's really over the top and very on point for how we live our lives over here as well. And it is absolutely my pleasure to welcome Danielle Belton to the podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm thrilled. I am so excited to have someone of your caliber, like a real job, you know, (laughs) like a really real job, real employment, where you actually are living the dream, where you actually get to talk about these type of things and write about these type of things where most of us, we record these podcasts, we listen to these podcasts, like in secret and like in our cubicles, in our offices, me in a classroom, in a bathroom during my lunch break, trying to get our housewives fixed. And you wrote a compelling piece like I read the whole thing in preparation of this but really was like we are the same people like this is it's it's so good and to be able to kind of like vocalize and put yourself in to the masses like that of people who we're a very large demographic people who watch reality tv but somehow we still call it our secret guilty pleasure things like that so to be able to kind of like own it and really get in there is so so exciting and so cool to have someone be like I stand proudly in my housewives and reality tv viewership how did you get into housewives what is your journey here oh it's it's a pretty uh interesting journey so i have always enjoyed reality tv i was an early Mm -hmm. adopter i was into the real world when it first came out 
watched yes. it religiously, loved it until it went to London. For some reason, I guess I am like <laughs> secretly like the world's <laughs> biggest patriot. And I was like, you expect me to care about another country? What? And I didn't watch. Um, and But I came back. Like I watched like New Orleans and Seattle and all sorts of seasons. Right. Uh, and Hawaii, which was insane. But then I stopped when the pivot came like around uh, when VH1 got into the game and you had mm-hmm. like For the Love of Ray J and I Love New York and um, all the Flavor Flaves, <laughs> all the Flavor Flav related spinoffs and of uh, The Surreal Life. I think The Surreal Life was a show where I was like, not going to watch that. I'm too mm-hmm. important and uppity to watch this programming. I refuse. <laughs> so I didn't watch any of that stuff. I missed out on all that greatness because I was too stuck up to watch it. And then around 2009, I met, you know, the platonic love of my life, my best friend, Jada Prather, uh, who's an amazing individual. And he was really into Real Housewives of Atlanta. Now, admittedly, he was into a slightly mm-hmm. different reason than me. Like, all the women are really attractive and he is a straight man. Oh, okay. Yep. That makes sense. His mom had been watching the show and got him into it. And it's like, he came for the booty aesthetics, but stayed (laughs) for like the quality of the drama. So he like loved psychoanalyzing the show. He was really into it. And so he kept saying, you need to watch this. You need to watch this. And I'm just like, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to. And then finally, um, I believe it was the season when Portia and Kenya Moore joined was when I first started watching. Underground Railroad. Yes. So like (laughs) that season, like I, I, the only reason why he convinced me to watch it was because Kenya Moore was going to be on it. And I knew Kenya Moore from Mm -hmm. Miss USA and the movie Twa. So I was like, oh, okay. I want to see what she's like in real life. That sounds interesting. Yeah. I imagine that she would be boring. And she was the opposite of that. Woo! Were we like, not who knew right about that one? <laughs> who knew that Miss USA was like about that life? I was like, okay, I'm oh boy, is very she interested ever. now. Mm-hmm. So at that point, I was like hooked. And so he was also into love and hip hop. So I started watching that. And he was into Bad Girls Club. So we watched that together. Because at one point, me and him were roommates. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so there was only one TV in the house. Yeah, gotta watch what the house is watching. (laughs) Exactly. So we would watch, you know, the same things together all the time. And so I gave up, you know, Grey's Anatomy and moved towards the world of reality TV shows. As one does. (laughs) Yeah. And then once I got into it, I was like, I gotta get caught up. I don't I don't know who all these Mm -hmm. people are. So I went back and started watching all the old seasons and which added even more layers to everything. Mm. And I just, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. He has since moved on. Like he doesn't watch any of this stuff anymore now. And I'm just like, why did you do this Mm. to me? You just abandoned me on the side of the road. (laughs) Like I'm still like knee deep into when is basketball wise coming back? Like I'm actually like Googling that like right now. Like when is Mm -hmm. it coming back? Yes. Uh, Because I, I need to watch. I need, I need to see what's going to happen. And so, yeah, I love it. For me, it's an escape. Um, my job is pretty heavy and it always has been. I've always been into the news. I've always been up on current events. And the reality is that when you're working in a field like journalism and you're leading a newsroom, there's no way to escape the news. You feel like you're an irresponsible person if you don't actually consume it. The problem is I'm very sensitive, a very deeply emotional, empathetic person. So it's hard for me to watch 
people struggle. It's hard for me to watch people in pain. Everything makes me cry, like literally everything. So I'm not going to give my life up in journalism because I love it. Like it depresses mm-hmm. the hell out of me, but it's it's my chosen career. I love being a journalist. I love leading a newsroom. I love being with journalists. I just think it's such important work and so necessary. But for my sanity, you know, I need to see, you know, women throw drinks at each other. I just do. Yeah. Yeah. Usually I, while I mean, wearing absolutely. like a Gucci I, belt. I completely relate being overdressed you know to things that you have no idea or like in the case of new jersey they're all wearing different they're abiding by different dress codes at the same time yes that's really fun um you know seeing stilettos and snow that's really fun we have no idea why you're dressed up like this you know coming to dinner in the house that you've been in all day but love it like i have a serious complex with changing my outfit for thanksgiving like i've been in the house all day cooking and now i'm gonna like go upstairs and change clothes and but not wear shoes I'm still in the house but these women will put on full glam to like hang out with the same women they've already been hanging out with and I just love that kind of ridiculousness but I want to ask you what uh, what happens then when you know for it to be an escape which it is for so many of us what happens when they kind of intersect and we can't get away from that like Atlanta last season for 2020 for instance with Portia going through you know the Black Lives Matter and being an activist which was amazing and it was beautiful to watch and I thought it was a really important story to tell however there are lots of people of color people in general especially black people myself included who like it was hard for us to watch because mm-hmm. we were surrounded by it. And because, you know, people can be very empathic. It's hard to kind of like see that even in your escapism and relive it often, mm-hmm. especially when you're already concerned about living it all the time. So what happens when those two things kind of intersect? How do you still find a way to enjoy the escapism of it? Well, thankfully, what Portia did last season was really important. It was important mm-hmm. to see someone of her stature and in her line of work take a stance because it really made it drove the point home that at the end of the day like even if you're on the most ridiculous reality show in the world like she was still a black woman and she was still impacted by the loss of life around her and of police violence so she's she's a real person like this is their real life yeah so i do expect they're not characters huh (laughs) yeah you know they're not so i expect them to care you know and that meant a lot to see her be so active um but the flip side of it was I was the same year as like Bolo and like <laughs> Stripper You're Gate. Right, it was. That is yeah, how we started and how we ended were in two drastically. So it was like Black Lives Matter. And then it was like, look at Bolo and his like fake Chanel. Listen, she needed an outlet herself. She, she needed a she little escape, but that. she's doing a lot of good work. That's how real it was. She was like, I'm ready fun. to turn up. <laughs> I wait to celebrate like sex and love and the beauty of blackness in all of its forms. Like she was tired and she was, she was ready to turn up and I could relate to that. I was like, I'm ready to turn up too, girl. Let's go do it. Yes. What has been your favorite housewives binge thus far? Since you had to go back and watch a lot of some of the earlier episodes and seasons of, of various franchises. Do you watch them all? I watch all of them except for the only one that I haven't seen. I haven't watched much of New York and I refuse to watch the OC. Everything else I've watched. I understand. <laughs> um, I can't say that OC is, is, is exciting. It's definitely not exciting for me anymore. Now we kind of do watch out of obligation. I will say earlier years of OC were pretty great. It's okay. very understandable how we took off into this world because in order to understand Housewives, you must experience 
what Vicky Gumbelson is. <laughs> Love her or hate her. And I can't stand her. But the ridiculousness that is Vicky Gumbelson has to be experienced because if that kind of woman was walking around the world without a camera crew, I'm actually concerned. <laughs> and the fact that she was selling insurance in this delusional and ridiculous, like she had like a really regular people job, but she has a not regular personality. <laughs> so... It's really exciting. The first few seasons are actually pretty epic. And you're like, wow, I can actually see why this became like a spiral thing. Yeah. But a thousand percent get it. Whenever someone says, I don't watch OC, I go, you're not missing much. Especially not like in the last, like, I don't know, six or seven years. New York, however, is a gym. Like I can hear people right now typing the DMs like, please please help her find New York. I'll send her my Hulu password. Like guys, she has access. I think it's just, it's a, it's a big ask and it's a tall task because it's so much of New York. There's no, a lot like, there. Believe me, when the doldrums of winter hit and there's nothing to do because Omicron's yeah. trying to kill all of us, I will totally watch mm-hmm. New York. Oh yeah, then you know when when if if we ever do a pandemic remix or like you know the second coming, the sequel, and have to be in our houses for anything more than like forty eight hours again, highly suggest New York because we're all watching New York and Atlanta old seasons anyway. Those are the best ones I think. I think New York and Atlanta have the they're the best binges you could ever do for yourself okay. because I will, the I early days. The, and I give it like the first ten seasons of both of them are like, what is happening? <laughs> complete you know mess and amazingness but very 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 worth it but what has been your favorite binge that you have done so far oh of the ones that i had to binge because i did not watch them from the beginning my favorites were atlanta and beverly hills that makes sense that makes complete sense because atlanta from the beginning I mean, I go on random tangents all the time about how much I love season three. I think it's the greatest season of Housewives yeah. television of all time. That's when Phaedra gets there and Nene and Phaedra oh, cannot like amazing. agree on whether or not they know each other. And I just think it's <laughs> so funny. Like, because how do you be like, I don't know her. Yes, you do. We went to high school together. No, I've like, never seen her. Like, it's just... Yeah. And the Apollo of it all, and the, oh, the June, July of my baby. Like, I've never had a baby, but I know everybody I've talked to ha- that has a baby <laughs> can tell me, like, the minute they're supposed to have that baby. They're like, girl, it's coming June 13th at 9 a.m., and yes. I will be at the hospital by 7.45. I still remember <laughs> my sister's due date for my nephew. He was not mm-hmm. born on that date, mind you. He was not born on July 6th, but it is burned into my memory. Yes. <laughs> Because they're like, get the baby out. Like, I love <laughs> being a mom and everything, but like, get it out of me. I'm ready to start. <laughs> like, no more pending, no more baking. I'm over it. And for Fairy to be like, yeah, could know. be June, could be July. Like, girl, that's an eight-week difference. Like, <laughs> Well, see, that's the thing. Like, what's fascinating for me about Housewives, especially on the shows that I have a larger African-American cast, like, the real <laughs> scourge is, are, are their parents. Because a lot of them come from really conservative upbringings. Mm-hmm. And that was Phaedra's problem. She didn't want to upset her mom. Like, that's all that was. Mm-hmm. And the reason why, yeah. like, Karen Huger is so different in the first, you know, two to three seasons of Potomac versus how she is in the latter seasons was because she was worried about how her parents watching the show and what their perception would be. Yes, it makes total sense. And I think that's such an important thing to think about because you can always tell, that's why they call it the second season curse. The first season is always their one way. So I always reserve standing someone in the first season because otherwise 
prime example, and I know you've heard it probably, but Leah on Housewives of New York, yeah. the very first season, everyone was obsessed with her. The second season, they were like, why is she even still here? <laughs> and I'm like, this is why we must reserve judgment because the second season is always drastically different. Yeah. They have to give them... Wendy on Potomac. Yeah. First season, Professor. Second <laughs> season, booty like yeah there's so much difference there and there's no way to say that there can't be both i think nuance is great i actually found the nuance of do i want to be a, a booty model as nikki kept referring to it you know do i want to be a, a booty model adjacent or a professor why can't i be both i think that's a fascinating conversation oh, about women and everything that has to do with like are, are we allowed to be feminine and sexy mm-hmm. and, and still be powerful and amazing and boss ladies and everything like that I think it's an important conversation, but it's such a stark difference than her first season. No, see, like, my theory is with all these women, especially if they come from a more conservative background or where their parents are still living and watching the show and they're mm-hmm. concerned about what their mothers and fathers think. And some of them have a much different relationship with their parents than others. So my theory is for the ones that act more conservative their first couple of seasons and then turn up all of a sudden out the blue, they were always that turn up person. Oh, for like they sure. went on the show that with sense. a strategy and they were like, oh, I'm mm-hmm. going to project this image of perfection mm. and I'm going to be all class and I'm going to raise it to another level. And then like the real like after you've like survived the first season, you managed to be entertaining enough to not get cut. You're like, oh, wait. I actually want to be like a fan favorite now. Like, I should probably just be myself. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> yes, because that's what we want. Also, I'm like, they're going to get it out of you. No matter how hard you try, these people have been doing this for way too long. You're not going to get the drop on them. Like, you can try as hard as you want, but yeah. these producers, the editors, they're like, okay, good luck. <laughs> it's like semi-scripted, I think, is um one of the ways that uh, it was described in your op-ed, which I actually do want to touch on because it is amazing. It's a love letter to reality TV greats such as Dance Moms, Love and Hip Hop, Basketball Wives, and of course for Housewives. And as I was reading through like, oh, Housewives saved my life. I'm in. Let me read. I was like, this is my journey. This was my journey, especially considering, and this is just like a personal like anecdote that I must share. I just convinced my mom to watch Love and Hip Hop because of Cardi B's iconic line, if a bitch has beef with me, she got beef with me forever. And I was like, it, as soon as I, I remember the day I saw that trailer, before Cardi B was ever a thing. She was meant to be on television. And I watched that part of the trailer and I said, oh, we have a hit. Whoever (laughs) this girl is, I'm watching for her. And lo and behold, she became like the thing in pop culture and rap and has transcended everything. And I'm like, I, I saw this coming. We all saw this coming. If, we, if you watched that season, you saw this coming. Yeah, no, she was she was not long for that show. Like, she is the <laughs> most successful reality TV person not named uh, um, uh, Donald Trump. So, yes. <laughs> yes, I mean, short of her becoming the next president, I honestly, I guess. I'm for it. What's the president Cardi doing? Listen, at this point... The bar, like the men in Atlanta, the bar is in hell. So maybe she could take it. I don't know. She has actually a really good head on her shoulders. And when she she was the first person who told everybody that coronavirus was going to be crazy. Coronavirus. (laughs) Shit's getting real. And I was like, this is really funny. And like two weeks later, it was really real. And I was like, yo, Cardi B is a little clairvoyant. Like we should probably listen to her. But your op-ed is really great. And it kind of details your entire journey through Housewives and how you got through reality. TV into Housewives. 
could you just summarize a little bit how it's why you classify it as a saving your life? Because I don't think that that notion is too far off. I actually think that especially over the past year in 2020, it saved a lot of our lives. Like I rewatch seasons that I've seen millions of times just to keep myself from, you know, going crazy and, and being positive. It gave me something to look forward to every day because I couldn't leave my house without being like, oh, I'm going to die, like, you know, or it, being in denial of that. So how would you classify that it saved your life? That, that part I think I find to be really fascinating, but relatable. Oh, well, like for me, like I was always a news junkie. So you know, I would wake up and watch the news, go to bed to the news, watch the news throughout the day. No matter what it was, I was consuming it 24-7. Real life is the real reality television because it's always some shit popping off in the news. And let me tell it's you something. Sometimes I watch C-SPAN like with a snap. Like it's yeah. funny to me. Like Why those I? hearings and stuff last year with a snap, just saying. Okay, like we're doing this now. But yeah, what um changed for me was 2016. Mm-hmm. So the 2016 election happens. It's like it was the most stressful year of my life. Like I just started as editor in chief of the Root. I was having a hard time adjusting to my new role. We just been bought by Univision. I was dealing with all these different things coming at me at once, and um the election's going on at the same time, and I'm really stressed out about it. Because, you know, no matter what everyone tells me, Hillary's got this. Every poll, Hillary's going to win. I'm just like, I don't know, guys. I really think the guy from television is going to, I think he might make it. Me too. I called it too. (laughs) So, like, the night of the election, like, I'm watching the result, you know, returns come in. And I just burst into tears when I realized that he's going to be the next president. I feel like me and Melania were had about the same look on our faces of like just <laughs> devastation. Like how could this happen? They said it wouldn't. Like his whole family looked shook. Let's be honest that night. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I was shook. And I called my dad the next day and I was on the phone crying. And the reason why I was crying specifically was because I knew under a Trump administration, if another black man, woman, or child was killed by the police that it was very unlikely there was going to be an investigation. There's there's no Eric Holder in the situation who's going to like parachute in and be like, mm-hmm. let's pull mm-hmm. the funding of the police department. You know, it's not going to happen under a, a Trump administration because he was a law and order president. Uh, please explain January 6th, but law and order. So, <laughs> so I was um, really upset about that. Because, you know, whatever criticism you want to make about uh, former President Barack Obama, that was not something that I necessarily had a problem with him with. Like, he did actually comment, you know, like when Trayvon Martin was killed by George Zimmerman, he actually did get involved and want to look into things and try to understand why these instances were happening. Whereas I knew that was just, we were going to get nothing. In fact, we might actually get like a pat on the back and lots of encouragement. (laughs) Like, oh, you shot a black Mm, person? Hooray! mm. So I was really upset. And so I tried to watch Morning Joe the next day, and I was so angry at Joe and Mika that I was just like, I can't, like, I could not function. Mm Because I partially blame cable news for this happening and the horse race way that they covered politics. So I was upset. I said, screw this. I don't want to watch this anymore. But I had to watch something. Because, like, it's my job to know what's going on in the world and to be invested. And I'm sorry for all the sirens. I live in New York City. It's okay. (laughs) Listen, it's a hot topic. It's coming. (laughs) (laughs) New York. 
Jada always jokes when he hears the sirens by my house. He's like, wow, the, you know, like you have a lot of murders where you live. I'm like, it's just ambulances. <laughs> it's not actual murders. It's just like old people who are sick. Yeah. Um, but he never believes me. So anyway, but as I was saying, so like I couldn't watch Joe and Mika anymore. It was too upsetting. I had a hard time watching Don Lemon after that. Like everything just made me so angry. And I realized that I just couldn't go through every day of my life through full of rage wanting to burn things down because that's just not healthy psychologically physically it's not good on any level and so I started really getting into reality television as an escape like it was a way to run away to a fantasy land of Louis Vuitton and Chanel bags and shenanigans and I was like I want to go to there, you know? I want to be yes. where the shenanigans are. I don't want to be in this real screwed up, sexist, racist, classist world where, you know, where you're born and what zip code you live in determines your entire future. Like, I don't want to deal with that right now. I think I, it's important to write about it. It's important to talk about it. I still encourage my staff to vigorously report on everything that happened after the 2016 election. And we actually changed our whole stance as a news organization and how we approached stories. Uh, we became a lot more rigorous and punchy. It's the nicest way to put how the root was mm. under me. We were very punchy. punchy. We were throwing all the punches, haymakers, body blows. <laughs> we were trying to take people's heads off. So, cause we were angry and we were upset and right. we were passionate. And I wanted the news to reflect that. I wanted people to have a place to channel that energy. But it's like, but when the day was done and I was home, like I was watching Cardi B turn up because that's, that's what I needed in that moment. Sounds like self-care to me. Yeah. It it was straight up self-care. Like this was about like, okay, I'm tired. My day was long. It was very hard. Let me watch people scream at Abby Lee Miller. That sounds like a good time. Oh, actually, yes. I, I also did a rewatch of Dance Moms because I watched it when it was on, but I, did. I didn't appreciate I did it until last year and I rewatched it and it was glorious. That moment when Kelly slapped Abby, I was just like, wow. Yeah, I mean, I'm not praising violence. We no. don't do that here. But at the same time, it was a long time coming. And I was like, what season are we in? It took her five, six seasons to get in? Because I'm just like, how many times can you push a parent and tell them that their kid sucks in front of their kid's face and then make them cry before someone's going to get a little crazy with yes. you? They're going to get a little antsy, a little hectic. I was not shocked, but it was really, really great television. I used to live for Dance Moms. Oh, I love Dance yeah. Moms. Love it. Yes. Still do. Very happy for JoJo. And it's it's yeah. really funny to me to see like the contrast because I remember when Abby was like, I always knew this kid was going places and she would hug her and be like, I just knew it. And I was like, you did? Because I remember very distinctly you being like, you don't have the technique. You're good in personality and hip hop, but like you're never going to go far if you don't get that technique down. Her kit, her feet are sickled and yeah. she's not good at this and she can't handle these dances. And I'm like, it looks like she can handle them now, yeah, girl. Yeah, like she can handle a lot. Of dance moms was like, Maddie's gonna be famous and the rest of you heifers like maybe if you're lucky you can get a job at Denny's like that's not how she treated all of them <laughs> she treated them so Whereas bad Nia, like Nia oh my Nia's god how done Nia was so treated. well 
Jojo and Nia, they are done really well, which is like, I mean, of course, Maddie's had a lot of success, but like for it to be Jojo and Nia, who were like the least likely yeah. that Abby thought was like, the, you know, basically she was keeping them on like <laughs> for certain reasons, yeah. you know, just kind of like off center, like keep the balance, the scale balanced or whatever. They're doing really, really well. And I think that's really fun, you know, to see. And then you have like such a stark difference, which we're happy to praise where, you know, really wealthy women we start with them at their peak. That's how like all the housewives starts. And then it's like the ebbs and flows or the straight up downfalls. If you're talking about Beverly Hills recently and Salt Lake City currently. Yeah. Um, strict downfalls. Like we're going straight down the hill. And we also are the same people who can relish in that as well. Yes. It's just a classic story. You know, you cheer for them when they're on their way up and you devour every minute of them when they're on their way down. Like it's, <laughs> it's quality. Yes. Either way, like it's quality yes. entertainment. I love drama. You know, yeah. I, th- th- this is the point that I was trying to make with my column is that I realized that I was not actually a prude. I, I love anything that's entertaining. Yeah. Like I just want to be entertained. So it's like if I there is it. drama and good outfits, I am there for that. <laughs> and there, there are is great drama outfits, and bad outfits. Like... Also there. I'm also here for it. Again, I watch C-SPAN with a snack because those girls get spicy. They really do. And by girls, I mean that proverbially. And it is usually the um, middle-aged to older-aged men that are going at it with each other. And it's a damn good time. Um, But speaking of devouring drama and downfalls, I would love to get your thoughts on Salt Lake City a little bit, if you will. Specifically... (laughs) The feds. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. The feds swarming in and trying to collect one Jennifer Shaw, but of course, meeting her absence, the dust she pulled away out of that parking lot of beauty lab and laser, like nothing I've ever seen. And then being arrested on the side of the road. What were your thoughts, your feelings? Were you at the edge of your seat? Like the rest of us when you were like, uh, we knew what was going to happen, of course, but something about seeing those vests and puffy coats of the NYPD appear in the in the window of the van. You were like, oh my God, they're really there. <laughs> when they blurred out all the cops' faces, I'm like, oh, this shit's real. Yes. <laughs> and Heather Gay like prancing out of the, the van being like, what does HSI stand for? <laughs> Homeland Security Investigation Girl. She's like, oh. <laughs> my favorite. <laughs> My two favorite people, well, I loved all of them in this moment. Their reactions were like television gold. Like I, Mm -hmm. A pluses all around. But my two favorite react, well, no, three. They were all good. My three favorite reactions were Whitney, who somehow was like, 
the encyclopedia for everybody. You know how you like you'll have like a show that's yes. only the character to explain things to the audience. Like she was just there to explain what a scam was and like how the scam worked and how she probably oh, was honey. For the scam taxes. How much you can take without the government taking it back like, from damn, you? Whitney. How to get away without investigation? Pretty much like how much you can deposit before like, they she flag did that it. Shit like without googling, I was impressed. <laughs> I had a new respect Very. for Whitney on a whole other level. My second favorite response was Lisa Barlow, who made it all about her, calling all her lawyers. <laughs> and like, oh, she's so like, good. She's such a I'm gem. Chills. I'm like, six lawyers, man. I mean, you gotta love her. I'm sorry. Like, I she's love ridiculous Lisa in the best I love way. Lisa she's the worst. And then, like, my favorite, though, as good as Whitney and Lisa were, Jenny's response of just not giving a shit about any of it was amazing. Like she just sat there. Like, huh, what's happening? She's like, I just met this woman. I could care less that she's getting arrested, question mark. Like the FBI is here, question mark. Three government agencies came to collect you and I she's unfazed. We should just go. We should just go to Vail. I mean, that was probably my next question It was about that. But before that, I really want to ask because something struck me when Whitney was like constantly refreshing her phone to find out what the hell was happening and why they wanted Jen and if she was on the run or not. And it made me think, because I think within an hour, she finally saw the headline that she had been arrested on the side of the road. How fast does this need to happen? Like from a news perspective, like... How did it become available that quickly? That like, who? What is the process of when something breaks news like that? And yes, things are still developing, but like, what is the what is the the protocol? Like, we drop everything and we type, type, type. Be damned what it says. Like, get it out, edit later. Like, what happens? How quickly do we need to get it out to the people? Well, fortunately, in this case, you know, the U.S. government is the biggest drama queen of all because they've had that press yes. release out mad fast. It was like the minute she was arrested, it was like, press release, here's everything that has happened. Great. (laughs) And then immediately people started writing the story up. So yes, if you are someone whose job is to cover celebrity, specifically celebrity crime, like the minute you got any inkling that this (laughs) was about Celebrity crime. It's a thing, it's a (laughs) thing. Of course it is. So if you're someone who covers celebrity, like high profile crime, it's called high profile crime. Oh Jesus! So if your beat is high profile crime, the minute you hear about this, you see the tweet, you see the press release, you see anything, you get like a tip from somebody working at Bravo because you know they all talked. Of course, <laughs> you can't tell me that they didn't immediately like whoever was a senior producer on site that day didn't immediately call everybody they knew like oh shit listen one of the agents was dapping up the bus driver I was like that's something we need to investigate <laughs> so I get you yes that makes like, sense like Andy Cohen knew the minute that stuff happened <laughs> like, they were like oh my god we're all about to be so rich as for raises now now's the time we're about now to be golden um, so yeah, so news travels fast in these types of situations. If you're well sourced because you're someone who covers this kind of stuff, you got the info first. You immediately alert your editor, like, "Hey, I just heard this crazy shit about Jen Shaw. Pretty sure she's going to jail. The feds are after because if the feds are after you, yes, that's never good." <laughs> oh yeah, it's a wrap. <laughs> like if it's like the local municipality, you can beat that. Like OJ yeah. taught us. Like, if it's just the regular degulars who are after you, like, if you have enough money, you can figure something out. If it's the feds, oh my God, you're going to jail. If they're flying to come and get you, you might not stand a good chance. (laughs) 
it's not it's not a, it's not good you know like i don't know i i i'm trying to think of a case in history that the feds lost and i honestly can't think of one i know they I don't have think to it lost at some point but of all the cases that i know and all the stories that i've ever covered or read about i just don't know any so immediately the minute you hear about this you tell your you tell your editor you hit the internet, you hit the phones, you call everybody and their grandmother that you know and who might know Jen Shaw, might know what's going on. You get as much background as you can and you just start typing, 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 typing. Like as you're getting feeds from the courthouse about her braids, you are writing. And so you yeah. hit send the minute you have confirmation of anything. So that means the minute the government press release came out from the feds when they said what their charges were, or it was the minute she got arrested and it was she had a court docket. Like you were pressing send. Like you were pre-writing the story as it's developing. Okay. So that's how Whitney got it within like an hour. Yeah. Like they were driving an hour and she was like, oh, there it is. Housewife arrested. And I was like, that's not just a press release. That is someone's actual article that she's pulling up. Because Heather kept going, send me the article, send me the article. And I was like, how did they get it out so fast? Because she was arrested in the woods, like yeah. on, the, on the highway, in the snow. Like the, one of the birds must have been chirping. Well, also, you know, it's, it feels weird to say that Jen Shaw is a notable person. But because she's on television... She is a notable person. Mm -hmm. And as we know, the feds love to clown a notable person. Like it is their way of saying, well, you know, if this person on TV can get it, you can get it too, regular person, maybe. But they definitely will get you if you are on television, (laughs) just to drive that point home. Ask Teresa Judice. Yes, ask Teresa. Ask Abby Lee Miller. Abby Lee Miller, ask all of them. Ask Martha oh, yeah. Be on television. There's so many of them. They will come get you. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, so that's really good to know. But now, how did you feel about the women continuing their trip to Vail? They were like, well, we're already en route. Let's keep going. Because they called Meredith. And Meredith was like, oh, that sucks. And oh, unfazed so this house is beautiful. And unfazed Come on queen. through. Get you a cocktail. Let's have a bath. It's so great here. You're going to love it. Like, they continued their trip pretty pretty easy. Is that what we like? Is that the new norm? <laughs> they know who butters their bread. That is called Bravo and Andy Cohen. It was just like, well, we cannot go on the trip and not have this amazing moment where we're all in the same house together after this crazy shit We need to talk about happened. it. Right. Like, no, they're going to yes. go on the trip. And what did you think about Heather instantly being like, I am going to ride for her. It didn't Heather's make sense considering the season. Though. Yeah, she started the season being like, I don't know why Jen doesn't like me or like why she's mean to me. And now she's like, well, she's in need. And I guess now that she's going to jail, she'll be my friend again. I'm very <laughs> concerned for I don't. I don't get it. I don't get it. When, at the height of Me Too, I was joking, but I was serious. I told every man in my life, I was like, look, if it turns out you were a secret pervert this whole time, I don't know you. You don't work for me. We are not friends. Good luck to you. I am not going to defend you. I'm not going to hold your hand. I am ghost if it turns out. I love it. You are a pervert. Yeah. I'm of not course. sticking around for that. And you know what's worse? Um, well, nothing's really worse than being a pervert, but a really good tie, a neck and neck race is probably scamming elderly people allegedly no, like, I'm, I'm out fine. of their monies. You're on your own. This like, isn't great. I mean, and Stu is out here singing like a canary. Now the question is whether or not he's going to take the fall for Jen? Question mark. Y'all internet people came up with that theory. I don't think I don't that's happening. That I think he is throwing her 
Yeah, he's smooth under the bus. Yeah, he's just like, he could throw her under there fast enough. Yeah, he forgot I did it and she did it too. Mm hmm. She was there. <laughs> like, there's no honor among thieves here, you know? No, like, and that's like, thieves. that's where that phrase came from. So if they're both alleged thieves, although Stu did definitely plead he guilty. His plea, so, so I guess he's like, a, you know, allowing himself to be considered such that there is no honor. They can't like they, they, it's it's impossible because if you'll take money from old people and you'll say like, yeah, give it to me in cash. So no one knows like you'll definitely throw your, your partner under the bus, girl. Yeah. Even though we definitely watched Jin buy him an expensive gift for his loyalty like an episode before i just find this to be the most amazing narrative and and compelling tv i've seen in a long time yeah no it's all very fascinating so you know like i hope she didn't defraud and rip off all those people (laughs) i can only hope Stu is acting alone sure yeah maybe it was it was (laughs) Stu chains Mm. Well, it was, I mean, we can all hope, but do you plan on watching the <laughs> the the housewife in the Shaw Shocker special? Child, I have Hulu? already watched that. Of course, of course, our kind of people. I tried to tell y'all. I mean, I remember when the Erica Jane one came out. I think I watched it as it like as it was still downloading to Hulu. <laughs> yeah. I was hitting play, and I feel like it had to buffer. And I was like, I'm here, I'm here. You but promised me good things, and boy, did that deliver. Give it to me. What were your your general thoughts? My general thoughts were they could have done better. All right, so I wanted to know more about Jen's backstory. Mm-hmm. They gave like little nuggets, like you know, how she was treated as a child and the racism that she endured. Like, I, I just needed more. Like, I needed more as to like, how did her family end up in Utah? How many siblings does she have? Where, what did she major in if she went to college where she met Sharif? How long is that? What's her marriage been like this whole time? Was she always the money maker in the family? Did she feel pressured to like mm-hmm. make money so she could support her husband? Did she like fall into the game or was she just born into the game? Like, that's what I want to know. <laughs> I mean, it's a great question because I'm still trying to figure out how. Sharif is completely unscathed. Like I read that entire like indictment cover to cover, like cover to cover, and he is not mentioned. And no. I'm just like, you know how good of a, like a person, like a husband, or, or how separate and estranged you have to be to not be mentioned at all. Like they could not tie you at all because you have no ties at all. And I'm just like to be married because I mean the entire argument of Beverly Hills was the complete opposite. Yeah. That because you're married, you don't really have a choice in what your spouse is wrapped up in, you're going to get wrapped up in. Dorit's like, oh, PK's been involved in hundreds of lawsuits and I wasn't even there and they still roped me in. Sharif was married to Jen this whole time and he is not roped in at all. No. So I'm just like, which one is true? Two things can be true at once or is there like a little something? Maybe that's why Sharif was never there. Well, this is why I wanted more info because... If Jen's love is real for Sharif, and if, in fact, she happens to be a criminal, it could be the type of situation (laughs) where she's like, I love this man. I don't want anything bad to happen to him. So I won't keep him Mm. separate from my my BS. Unlike, you know, Joe Judice, who was like, Teresa, sign these documents. (laughs) Put your name on it, actually, before mine. Put yours on top and leave me at the bottom. (laughs) Because, like... I'm just saying maybe the love wasn't real. Because like when Apollo and Phaedra had their stuff go down, like Phaedra was like, I don't know you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> very much we so. She was totally like, mm, married. No. We got two kids. She was like, nope. 
divorced, never heard of him, don't know him, wish him well, good luck, goodbye. Like, like she very, very quick. To destroy Candy and Todd because they kept Apollo's motorcycles. Like, that was like how much she wanted nothing to do with this man. She is like, no, we're going to erase him from our entire memory. He has nothing to do with me and they would not let it die. Like, that is, yeah, you're very, very, very So I believe there is a way to keep it separate. Either you take the Phaedra Parks route where you just cut all ties, you don't have anybody's back, you shove your husband under the bus and then get in the driver's seat and then drive the bus over him. <laughs> or you have yes. maybe with, his, with Jen and Sharif, because I do feel like in watching the show, I did get the impression she seemed to love her husband. So I can believe mm-hmm. that if she was involved in some shady stuff, that maybe she chose to keep him separate from it. But like in the case of uh, Erica and Teresa, like it just sounded like their husbands didn't care about them that much. Like, like... thousand percent. I mean, Salt Lake City is good, but like all I'm going to care about is is the progression of this uh, because I didn't think you had much of a season before. And now every day that we get more and closer to finding out more about Jen Shaw, that's all I ever have wanted and more. It's all I care about. There are some layers to this season of Salt Lake that I'm really enjoying. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you got the Jen Shaw show that's going on right now where she's like, yeah. do I need to hire mm-hmm. Kim Kardashian? What? Okay, like, do you not oh, know how much boy. trouble you're in right now? Like, who cares? No, she doesn't. And that lawyer looked very stressed. He was like, oh, this is not. And I think all her lawyers, these are the first set of lawyers because I think her lawyers like asked to like dump her or something. I think I can see why. I'm looking at his <laughs> face and he is good. concerned. This is a good. So that's one. Two, the stuff with Mary and her church. <laughs> like it's the best side dish to this main course of Jen Shah drama. It's like, oh, you, you get a little bored of the Jen Shah thing. Like we don't have enough to fill that up this episode with it. Here's a lovely scandal about a woman who claims she's God at a church. I'm just like, wow. <laughs> and takes your money because that's what God would need is money. An all-divine being would need your money. How else is God going to afford, you know, the Tom Brown and the Louis Vuitton and the Gucci? And seven homes and everything. Of course. It's a really nice treat to finally, you know, especially come from the documentary perspective. Because, I, you know, I'll eat up anything that's messy. But to have, like, a journalistic perspective of, like, what else could they have included? I'm like, you're right. Because I had time. Y'all could have put it in there. I had nothing but time for this. I didn't need, like, a rehash. The show's only existed for one season. They kept acting like she was, like, this well-known property. Like, she just isn't. I don't know no, anything about this. No, she's just well-known because she has uh, participated, allegedly, in crime. <laughs> exactly. Um, Speaking of crime participation, I want to shift gears to Housewives of Potomac, which is something I have heard that you are a very big fan Uh, of. Huge, the biggest. Um, You have met the right people because we are, just from being in the area, of course, but like overall, I think Potomac is one of the best franchises ever to date. In general, I find it to be life-changing. And is that a Monique plate? Yes, it's Monique With the dang birds? Yes, with with several T'Challa's. This is gorgeous. She's also, you can't really see this. She's holding like a blunt. Because remember she smoked CBD and cigars? Wow. This is beautiful. That's how much I love it. What joy. It's just used for decor. You just just pulled this from like a bookshelf. So this is purely decoration, not utility. This is like to be idled and to be like. This is to be admired. 
Yeah, we just admire it. Hey, Monique girl, patron saint of birds. That's what it looks like. Yeah, so the Potomac reunion. How are you liking the season, the only season without Monique? How how was it for you? As someone who was a plate owner. Mm -hmm. I still enjoyed it. Potomac is, out of all the Housewives shows, is the one where I genuinely like every woman on it. Me too. I think they all do such a good job in their own lanes. I don't feel like I need to get rid of any of them yet. And, and I think that's a that's the sign of a great show. My ratings yeah. have gone up so significantly and they've done so well. And even in this reunion, four parts. Let, let's discuss. Do you think it was worth four parts? I didn't know if it was worth it, but I enjoyed every single one. I don't know if that is the same thing. I enjoyed all four parts. They could have they could have thrown out one. They could have condensed a few. Yeah. <laughs> like it wasn't necessary. Yeah. They could have get done two hours with Andy and did a third with Nikki like I was just like there wasn't that much to go on this season like it was interesting though she's saying that so much of her questioning was cut like she's saying a lot of it was cut and that they only could use like a certain amount she tweeted like they only could use like 30 or 40 minutes worth of her questioning because of whatever reasons but she had a lot and I was wondering if something happened because I found Nikki to be a bit you know I'm all over the place but I found her to be a little bit averse to Candace and that was very clear because every time Candace basically uttered a sound she was like I'm not talking to you yeah be quiet and I was like and then she made her sing right and then she made her sing on demand and she did a good job but she was obviously nervous because she didn't feel like she was probably in a good space and then out of nowhere Chris is like I didn't like the line of questioning and Andy was like that was tough you did great I'm like did we miss something because that was tough but to me I feel like a lot was it seemed like she was actually way harder on some of the other women from what we saw I mean she asked Ashley and the other women if they would still marry their husbands and if she was attracted to Mike there were deeper more shady questions asked of other people like she asked about her looks listen (laughs) I'm like wow and then pretty much from Candace, she was just like, you need to tell your mother that she's mean to you. And I'm like, your mom knows that she's mean to her. She doesn't care. I just feel like we were missing some things. No, and I, I wonder like if that was, you know, I did too. yeah, the, the reason why. What did you think of Nikki as a host? And what did you think of Andy giving up his hosting chair? It's the first time we've ever had a different host ever of a reunion. Well, you know, I thought it was smart on Andy and Bravo's behalf. Because once Nikki expressed an interest in the show... Well, however you feel about Nicki Minaj, she is a big star. It's like the equivalent of if Cardi said she wanted to host or... I would love that. I know. I would love that too. I would actually pay for that. I would do a lot for that. I'm ashamed now of the thing, the thoughts that are entering my brain of what <laughs> I would she's do. she's a reality veteran. You aren't going to get nothing past Host her. a Real Housewives reunion? I'm not that blessed in my lifetime, but I, it's nice to dream. Yeah. So like, I think any A-list you know, black celebrity or any A-list celebrity, let's be honest, if they expressed a wholehearted interest in Housewives Potomac and said, I love this show, I want to be at the reunion, like they would have made it happen, you know, because yeah. Nikki's big enough for them to want that. Now, to me, I feel like Nikki had her own motives <laughs> for wanting to be on there because she kind of needs like some positive news in her life. Oh boy, does she. <laughs> so she, needs, she needs a little bit of positivity. Does she? And I talked about that in my last episode about how it was like, oh, no. But I will say that aside and her her choice in, um, in, in life partner and father of children aside and choice in supporting those endeavors of her spouse and whatnot, allegedly, whatever you want to call it. I will say 
that aside, like inter inter space space page break, I thought she actually did a really good. No, job. I thought she. Did I actually thought it was too. very funny. I was laughing for a long time. <laughs> no, I thought it she was, was nice great. to see someone who could take sides too. Yeah. Like although it I made me like laugh at each other a little bit in the way that he. Like I mean, I haven't forgotten last okay. reunion and how Andy treated Monique, and but production kept showing that Monique was actually right. You're, you get me because I was about to say like it was really cute I chuckled a little bit when he told Nikki you can pick sides okay guys Andy said I could take sides I'm like he took sides before he came to your dressing room <laughs> yeah. he was like okay I want to move on no you did this like he is I sometimes I feel like he's very exhausted by his own job like he seems like he's like I'm over it and they oh, had been there a long shading time the shit out of Wendy for her receipts shaded her he was like this doesn't really prove anything and he said it like three times and i was like a for effort though are you more of a binder person or a cork board person because i'm i'm privy to the binder but i like the cork board effort i liked the effort because like obviously it looked cool but in it terms did. of housewives props the binder ranks really high. Like the fact that Monique whipped mm. out at a binder that was annotated. Like she, I kept going like, can we see the whole binder? Like I kept feeling like there was parts of the, the binder, binder left on the cutting room floor. And I wanted more of the binder. The number one prop, of course, will always be the scepter and the Thank bullhorn. <laughs> I was about to say, please say the bullhorn. Please say the bullhorn. That was the best year ever to me. I was like, are you kidding me? There is a, where did you even find, did you search separate? Like, I'm just like confused. And I love things that confuse me. Cause I'm just like, what is going on? That's why I still like the cork board. Cause she just brought it out. Like, here you go. And I was like, where did you even get this made weeks in advance? <laughs> I will go to my grave. My mind will be of mush. And I will still randomly shout out from my wheelchair. You are a dumb hoe. <laughs> I will always remember that. It's very fair. I feel like I've heard elderly people say very similar things. <laughs> You're like, wow, where did that come from? Where's my bullhorn? Right. A few Potomac Part Four thoughts to close us out. Ashley's husband has a condition where he can't wear a wedding ring on either hand. <laughs> Ashley. Ashley is one of my faves. Like, I love politician Ashley. That's my favorite version of Ashley. Because yeah. you got like She's freaky so Ashley good. and you got like mom Ashley, but politician Ashley. Like, she should run for office. She really should. I, you know what? I think that she's not delusional. But people are like, how does she stand behind him? I think she knows that the inevitable is that her husband will fuck up again. Yes. It is a matter of when, but not if. And she is like, when that happens, you will see nothing other than pure receipts of me saying I would marry him even if he was poor. <laughs> and I, I believed every lie he told me about his joints. He has a condition and I'm standing beside him. That's my man. I'm a stick beside him. And that's exactly what she's doing. And I'm like, she is lining the tank for her eventual departure. She's good. She's gearing up. She's good. Uh, yeah, but just, that just made me laugh. Like a joint condition where he can't wear a wedding ring. Don't they make silicone wedding bands? They make things that don't hurt you. They, they do stuff. Because like, That's speaking of reality TV. He needs to get his life together. He's never going to get thank you. a partner as ride or die as Ashley. Or at least as ride or die Hello. she's purporting to be. Like she is a politician. Yes. She is more loyalty 
than any of the Trump press secretaries. More than Stu Chains, I'll tell you that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Stu's role has only been a year. Because like speaking of reality TV and for people who actually watched WAGs, because I was obsessed with WAGs, there was a moment because she was, they're dealing with football players. Like yeah. that's the whole point. They're wives and girlfriends of sports athletes and sports stars where the football player had like broken his hand or something so many times. He had like such like distorted knuckles that she had to get the band like specially made so they could close around his finger instead of like having to put it on like it doesn't have to go over his finger it can like be opened like a clasp and closed around it and special made for him and she was just a model ashes on a tv show and her husband's worth millions of dollars as well and i was like you know they do make things so that your husband can still be married even if he has a joint condition a tattoo if you will a silicone band lots of things but it's just funny that was just that made me chuckle i thought that was a that was a fun one that was a fun moment and then of course, the line of questioning that Nikki had that confused me of Giselle and Robin and if they're romantically involved. Did you ever get that that vibe? God, no. I didn't get that vibe more than like a beta alpha either. thing, like a sidekick thing. I was like, what? You can only be good girlfriends with somebody if you're sleeping with them? I, I don't know where that came from. That was so weird. It came from they shared a bed once. <laughs> I feel like that was some fanfic that she picked up on online. Like, cause I could totally see someone yeah. shipping that. But that, yeah. no, that's not a ship. That ship never sailed. It never got out of the harbor. It was never built. It's not a thing. And funniest, shadiest moment to me ever was when, um, well, there was two moments that I thought were, could be next level. First, when Nikki asked Giselle, do you think your beauty is starting to fade? I was like, that is the worst, best thing I've ever heard someone ask a woman, a person ever out loud to their face. Um, Giselle did not think so. She's like, you do look different. Do you know that? Like, <laughs> do you think Ray was right? And I'm just like, oh my God. She said, because you said he would be dead and he's still alive, but here you are. And I was just, I, she obviously doesn't like Giselle. No. <laughs> and then there was the moment of her asking if the women would still marry their men if they, if they had a hundred million dollars. And Mia was like, what makes you think I don't have a hundred million dollars? She goes, you don't. And I was like, oh, oh boy. She said, I know you don't. I said, oh my God. Oh my God, get me out of here. I had to, I had to pause it and take a minute <laughs> to breathe and then like slowly return. And it was like, do I fast forward? Cause I'm really nervous about <laughs> what were some of your biggest takeaways? Like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> my favorite moment. One of my favorite shady moments with Nikki was with Mia where she kept trying to explain the strip club thing and the shrimp and lobster, <laughs> steak and lobsters and Jeff trying to make the place sound like something that, I don't know, it was crazy. And then like Nikki was like, you sound real crazy, girl. Like, I'll yeah. Because <laughs> like, if you are stripping in a club, it is a strip club. Just saying. Everything Mia says sounds insane. Yeah, the criteria is very basic. Like, it's very like low, low, low. Like just do they wear clothes? No, not always. Is it a club-like environment? Yes. Oh, it's a strip club. Okay, great. Moving on. My other favorite moment didn't actually happen on the show. It was Kenya Moore talking about how Giselle needed help. Like, she needed help with her reads. Because <laughs> it was true. Like, this is like the second or third reunion in a row where people were just like, Giselle, punch right in the face. And Giselle was like, wow, why'd you just hit me? Because <laughs> Giselle is not good at reunions. And I equate it to, and this reference won't necessarily make sense to you unless you decide to watch it, but like there's a, the, the year of OC, which I'm sure you knew 
that Vicky Gumbelson's uh, boyfriend slash fiance did fake cancer. And yeah. it was like a very big deal. Yes, I heard about that. Best season of television I've ever seen to this day. Like, I, I'm waiting for Jinshaw to uproot her. But to <laughs> me, Vicky Gumbelson being the victim when her boyfriend was faking cancer, it's just like I've never seen a delusion like that. And I don't think it could exist in, in another human being. I think God only made one. And it was her. <laughs> Like, that's it. Because she was like, I, to say to Andy, they're like, okay, but you know, he's like faking it now, basically getting to the bottom of it. And she's like, I still expected like a casserole or something. I'm like, are you kidding me? You can't expect a casserole for fake cancer. But that season of the reunion, because she knew she was going into it, it was going to be like really crazy. There are rumors that she basically took a Xanax or something beforehand because she was like beyond mellow. Whereas the whole season, she is ah yelling at people, screaming and doing things. I'm nailed to the cross like Jesus. Like she was doing the most. Giselle to me is giving me that energy because she is so quick witted in season and in the moment. I don't believe her reads are even rehearsed in her confessionals actually because she we've seen her go toe-to-toe with karen live yeah and then all of a sudden at the reunion she's like huh like she looks like a deer caught in headlights <laughs> yeah like every time every single time and i'm like Giselle, i want better for you girl i definitely wanted better for her when monique pulled out that binder and i was just like i love you <laughs> well there was both. nothing we could do then like, like, there was fighting. nothing we could do she was like yeah that's his number i was like girl deny till you die deny <laughs> deny deny his phone was taken because sean's a sunset mike showhead was out here telling the girls it was my phone, but it was obviously hacked by the iCloud when the girl was getting naked pictures <laughs> from me. It was not text. me. The Somebody else had my phone. Text. <laughs> yes. Giselle's like, yeah, that's his number. No, girl. Never heard of it. I don't know his number off the top of my head. You would have to get my phone. He lost his phone for three months. I don't know. Like, it was, girl, anything but, yeah, that's him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's cheating on me. And I look crazy and I'm not crying over it. And I'm like, okay. Oh, someone did not teach her well how to like be. <laughs> oh, as Karen would say, it's a good thing she's pretty. Allegedly, because again, starting to fade, according to Nicki Minaj. And last but not least, Candace finding out the difference in front of us between 500,000 streams and 20,000 sales of an album and Nicki not believing either of them because to me and i love how the girls were like is, is that is that a lot like is that good i was like to me that sounded like pretty on par for someone like candace yeah like i wouldn't be necessarily shocked if she sold twenty thousand albums no. i believe that twenty thousand people will like her so someone on twitter i don't remember who i wish i could remember whose handle it was did a whole twitter thread breaking down like candace's numbers and they only compared it to other housewives so they were like, it's not fair to compare oh. her to real recording artists. And so yeah. they like, Jay just compared it to like... Melissa Gorga. Yeah, like a Melissa Luann. Gorga or like a Luann. No, it was Luann. They compared her to Luann. Yes, because Luann does have hits. She keeps them coming, honey. She thinks she's really good. She does believe. <laughs> the numbers were not good, even compared to Luann. And so it's like... <laughs> so what asked so her, then like, what's there she, to be shocked about and the person who did the thread explained that they didn't pull erica jane's numbers they didn't think that was fair and wow, i know so candace erica isn't even jane's, good like, to that plays on spotify like she's like you know in some cases in the hundreds of thousands to millions yeah 
I mean, the girls love her. So I'm not shocked, but Nikki was just like refused to believe that Candace has ever sold a song in her life. <laughs> um, and then like pushed her to sing her own song. And I love how they instantly like said, do you happy birthday? Because they were like licensing girl. Um, <laughs> but she wouldn't even sing her own song because she's, and she was like, I auto-tune and she was very, you know, open to saying that, which Nikki could never shade because she does the same thing often. She's not a singer. She's a rapper, but she does try to convince us she's a singer often yeah. but i thought candace did a good job and they were like oh good job like clap 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 and mew was nicer than everybody else she said, yeah. I'm, song like, now. I'm gonna buy i'm gonna buy an album now <laughs> who are your would you have everybody come back on potomac next season and who are your without monique who are your faves right now oh um i would have everyone come back there's no one that i want to get rid of at all not even candace i know people um <laughs> i know candace sometimes rubs people a little wrong way but I, her miss. she's a mess but i love her i, I love know, her I little tiny chihuahua woman <laughs> energy i love candace so i would bring candace back too um, my favorite in the power rankings, because it, it, it sometimes varies episode to episode. Because there was a time I couldn't stand Karen, and now Karen's like my number one. No, I get it. It's like Beyonce songs for me, because I'm such a beehiver. It's like, I love them all equally, but then like at different moments, different ones. Exactly. So that's how Potomac goes. So Karen is still the grand dame. She's number one. I am in the minority here. I will always love Ashley. I loved her from the first season. I will love her until the mm-hmm. day she leaves the show. So Ashley will always be number two. Wendy, like I loved mm. Wendy's glow up. I thought it was amazing. I know they gave great. her shit for her rehearsed reads, but they were all hilarious. So sounds like good. I mean, she's a professor. She prepares. Yeah, exactly. Like you get mad at her because she's smart. She like put her things right. together and she was prepared. Like <laughs> give some applause. Applause to the rehearsed read. <laughs> it was, I like it. Was it. Nice. It was a nice touch. Uh, what's her name? Was it Escala? I liked her fashion. Oh, yeah, Scala. Her fashion. She does look good. Great. She looked great. Best dressed of them. <laughs> I wish she had brought more energy. She could have she been a bit more rah-rah, but that's okay. Uh, Mia, great. The green-eyed bandits after that. I mean, Candace. I still love her. Like, like yeah, I, that's because she is ranking. at the bottom of the ranking. Does not mean she's not at the top of my heart. I will always love Candace. <laughs> but there are definitely, you're not a minority. There are plenty of people who are like, Every week, it's hard for me to be a Candace fan, but I still remain one. And I, there are plenty of moments that I get it. I stand no one and love them all. Yeah. Like, I think they're all pretty, pretty damn epic. I think that the show is like gold to me. Um, I would watch it as, as, on like a big brother, big brother cam. Easy. Exactly. Like, you know, without, without question. They're a joy. The Potomac reunion part four. Nikki feelings aside, I thought she was a joy and it no, was a joy. Was and I thought she did a really great job. And honestly, Danielle, I think you're a joy. Oh. oh my God, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much for coming on. Please plug yourself. Tell people where they can find you, where they can listen to you. I'm going to have your op-ed uh, linked in the description. So people, please go check that out. But please, people are obsessed by now. So please tell them where they can become oh, more well, obsessed you. With can you can find me on the Twitters where I am not mm. a disaster. Uh, at blacksnob.com. <laughs> Blacksnob was my old website, so I'm still under that name. I'm also under at Danielle Belton, but I never tweet there. I just only tweet at Blacksnob because I'm never going to let that <laughs> die. Um, on Instagram, I'm my last name first. I am at Belton Danielle on Instagram. If you ever want to like watch me post pictures of my food, 
or look at old photos of my life pre-COVID. Yes. <laughs> I work at HuffPost, so please read HuffPost. Yes, the editor-in-chief, honey. Okay, <laughs> she is um, the big boss lady. Thank you very much. Yes, I, I lead the newsroom there, and we have lots of amazing yes, lead on, mm-hmm. on everything. From politics yes, entertainment. Big fans of HuffPost over here. You gotta oversell yourself, especially if you actually had real accomplishments. Because you know, Karen's and the Wendy's of the world are quick to be like, I am the best. <laughs> or, or Robin, like she's like, I sold everything. I, I have made so many hats and we can't even buy the hats, but yeah. she's somehow sold off like all of her debt from the hats. But like good for her. Like oversell the housewives way. Like oversell yourself. It's the best thing you can do. And maybe, you know, just maybe Andy and a camera might come find you. (laughs) Exactly. No, true story. Bravo actually interviewed one of my friends. And I'm still, I'm hoping to hope. For in New York? Yes, in New York. That one day I could be in the background eating a salad just making reaction faces. Yes, um, I, I highly encourage you to at least just watch the Black Shabbat episode of this past New York season because the three beautiful black people in the background watching these white women basically fight over black Shabbat and they were all just sipping margaritas and going, ooh child, and it was glorious to watch them in the background so but thank you again danielle so much for coming on here y'all know where to find me on all the things at mixing with Moni, m-a-x-i-n-g-w-i-t-h-m-a-n-i there is merch it is a holiday season treat yourself or someone you love to something that um is a little shady but very fun very stylish and probably will have you better dressed than giselle at least i can give you that much other than that stay happy stay healthy stay safe stay distant but social stay warm because it's cold where i am i don't know about y'all but take care of yourselves in one another and thank you again for listening love you so much bye bye have you heard about the 2018 study that showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals no well now you have i'm kat mother of three and founder of ritual the company making traceability the new standard in the supplement industry I remember staring at my prenatal vitamins and finding all these things I was trying to avoid. High amounts of heavy metals, synthetic colorants, and unnecessary ingredients. So, at four months pregnant, I quit my job and started Ritual, because I believe that all women deserve to know what they're putting in their bodies and why. I'm so proud of our prenatal vitamin. The ingredients are 100% traceable, it's third-party tested for microbes and heavy metals, and recently received the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. You see, we trace like a mother because, let's be honest, no one cares quite like a mother. But don't just take my word for it. Trace for yourself with 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast.